Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? All right, Miss Carolyn's doing all right. How's everybody else doing? Y'all, still, y'all, there's some coffee out there. Go grab you a cup of coffee if you ain't awake. All right. Man, I hope you guys are doing well. Welcome once again to Journey Church. We are glad that you are here. I'm Thomas. I'm the lead pastor here. If you are new with us, we would love to connect with you this week. And we ask that you would fill out a connection card at jointhejourney.church under I'm New. Uh, we'd love to get connected with you, but we also would love to donate $5 to a charity of your choice. And so all we ask is you fill out a connection card. So please make sure you do that uh, today so that we can connect with you and so that we can make that $5 donation um, just to celebrate you being with us. Guys, uh, I don't know how many of you remember back in January, uh, but the elders, we uh, set out some goals for us as Journey Church for this year. How many of you guys remember those? Oh, we got a few people. Okay, awesome. So this morning, I just want to remind you of those goals and just ask you, how are you doing? So we set out three goals for us as a church this year, and the first of those goals was that we want everyone to be like the Bereans. We looked at the book of Acts, and we saw that the Bereans, that they heard the message that Paul preached and yet, they didn't just take his word for it. They examined the scriptures every day to test, to find out if what Paul was telling them was in line with God's word. And we said that we want to be a people that is examining scriptures daily. We want to be a people that is studying God's word, the Bible, daily. The, the second goal that we set for us this year is the other six. And we said that we want to be a people that is connecting with other followers of Jesus, other Christians, outside of Sunday mornings. So whether that's in life groups, whether that's in one-on-one meetings, we know how important, how vital it is for us to be connected with other followers of Jesus the other six days of the week. And so we said that we want everyone to meet with other Christians the other six. And then the third goal that we set for ourselves this year is this, for each one to reach one. We said that we want every single one of us to go and to start at least one new relationship with somebody else this year, somebody outside of the church, somebody who is far from Jesus. Because we know that through relationships is how God will open up doors for us to help people discover their relationship with Jesus, to, for us to be able to share the gospel with them. It's only going to happen through relationships. And so we said that we want each and every one of us to go out and to start a new relationship with someone else. So be the Bereans, the other six, and each one reach one. So how are you guys doing? How are you doing with these goals? I, I, I want to remind you and remind myself of them, because if we are not reminded of them, then we won't do them, right? If they're not on the forefront of our minds, then we will forget about them. So this morning, I just want to remind you, I want to remind you to be the Bereans. Every day, open up God's word. Connect the other six. Find some other followers of Jesus, whether it's in life groups or whether it's uh, getting some, some other followers of Jesus at work uh, together, studying God's word together, praying together, meeting together outside of what we're doing right now. And then be intentional about starting relationships with people who are far from Jesus. Each one reach one this year. 
One last thing that I want us to do before we dive into James this morning is take a minute and just spend some time in prayer. We have some of our students and teachers who started school back this past week. Uh, Kendall is going to be going off to college on Friday. Um, we have many of our other students and teachers and staff and school administrators and different things that are going back to the classroom this week or in the next couple of weeks and going to be starting school in the next couple of weeks. And so I just want to take a minute this morning and say a, a word of prayer for our teachers, for our school staff, for our school administrators, and for our students, and for our parents. Um, and just pray over uh, this school year as they begin to start. So will you join me in praying for them? Father, we, we thank you for uh, all of the many teachers and school staff um, and administrators uh, that we have that are connected to Journey Church. Um, and Father, we want to lift them up to you right now. Um, give them the, the hearts to, uh, as they see these students, um, that they see them as, as you see them. And they see the needs that they have. And they see the opportunities that you put before them to show uh, your love to these kids. Father, we ask your blessings, not only in the ones that are connected to Journey Church, but all of our school teachers and staff and administrators. Father, would you bless them this year? When things get difficult, would you remind them of the work that they are doing, that they are on the front lines of caring for students who may have uh, rough home lives, that they may be the only form of Jesus that some of these students see. And so, would you guide their words? Would you guide their care? Would you guide their love for their kids? Father, we lift up to you our students. Father, we know that school is difficult. We know that things can be challenging. So, Father, we ask for strength for these students. We ask that you would use them as examples to their classmates, to their friends, and to the, their teachers and to the rest of their staff that you would give them the strength to be witnesses with the way that they speak? Would you give them courage to be able to stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves? Would you give them the strength to point their friends and their classmates to you? Would you lead their conversations? Father, would you be with parents as they prepare for the school year, as they send their kids back to school and Father, would you just bless them as they lead their children to know and to follow you? Would you give them wisdom to know how to lead them? Father, we want to lift up to you Kendall this morning as she prepares to go off to college. Father, she moves to uh, another town, and even though it's not far away, we ask your blessings on her as she starts this new school year and this new chapter in her life. Would you just bless her? as she goes and begins to study. Father, be with her as she makes this, this transition and this move, and uh, we ask your blessings on us today. Would you move us to action through your word today? Would you help us to learn to be patient, even in the face of suffering? And Father, we thank you for 
your son Jesus. We ask all of this in his name. Amen. Amen. How many of you guys remember Christmas Eve when you were a kid? Anybody? Yeah. You remember the anticipation that would almost kill you? Man, I I would struggle to go to sleep on Christmas Eve just knowing that we were going to be able to uh, tear open those presents that were under the tree. In fact, I would have such a hard time falling asleep that most of the time I would end up sleeping in the next morning and my parents would just let me. They wouldn't wake me up, nothing. (laughs) So they just let me sleep in. And so I I don't know if you've ever had that type of anticipation before. Maybe before starting a new job. Maybe before starting school. Maybe the new school year was coming the night before you went back to school. Maybe the night before you got married. Uh, Maybe you've had some times uh, that, that you have struggled to be patient to wait for what was coming next. Man, we live in a day and time where we don't have to wait for anything, right? If we want some information, all we got to do is pull out the old phone and ask Google, right? What was the score of the game? Well, let's see what Google says, right? Uh, What's the weather doing? Well, let's just ask Google what is going on. Uh, on in the weather. What was the name of that actor that played uh, that character in Star Wars? You could just ask me. Uh, it was Simon Pegg. Uh, we got an image of this here. I don't know if you saw The Force Awakens. This big, crazy-looking guy was that little guy. Um, uh, so you could just ask me, or you could ask Google, right? So if you just need some information, you can ask Google. How do you get to this new place? Just ask Google. We live in a day and time when information when things are at our fingertips. We don't have to wait for anything. We don't have to be patient for anything. Now, this summer, we have been studying through the book of James, and we have seen how we can put our faith into action. And we do that by having joy even in the face of trials. Uh, we, We do that by being doers of the word. We do that by taming our tongues. We do that by being led by God's wisdom and not man's wisdom. We saw how we can deal with conflict in our relationships with other people. And last week, we asked the question, what is most important to you? What are you trusting in? Are you trusting in things that won't last, like your money and your stuff? Or are you trusting in God? In her book, The Louder Song, Listening for Hope in the Midst of Lament, Aubrey Sampson shares her story of chronic and degenerative illnesses and the tragic loss of loved ones and family members and even more. And she shares how to use biblical tools of lament to bring about questions about evil and the reward uh, to God. And she writes this in her book. She says, God has the final word. One day, suffering will cease. Evil will be shut down forever. And we will see the new creation. We will see heaven meeting earth. And we long to see that now. But God is patiently waiting, not wanting anyone to perish, but wanting everyone to to come to repentance. James 
has told us some pretty backwards things, some things that are upside down from what the world teaches us. He's told us to have joy even in the face of suffering, and today he's going to tell us how to have patience even in the face of suffering. Now, can I be honest with you? Patience is something that I struggle with quite a bit. So, let's dig in and let's learn from James this morning. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me over to the book of James. We're going to be in chapter 5, verse 7. James is um, almost at the very end of the Bible if you're looking for it. If you don't have a Bible, man, we would love to give you one. We've got some on the back table. Please take one as a gift from us. We're going to have it up here on the screen as well. But James chapter 5, verse 7 is where we're going to be. James comes right after the book of Hebrews, comes right before 1 Peter. James chapter 5, and James says this in verse 7. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Let's pause there for just a moment. So, as we said, James has already given us some upside-down things, right? Some things that are backwards from the way that the world tells us that they are. He said to have joy in trials and hardships and joy in suffering. And now, James tells us to be patient in suffering. Remember, we saw at the end of chapter 4 that we are not promised tomorrow, but we are but a mist, a vapor, here today and gone tomorrow but we must be patient. The Lord will return. And we must be patient in waiting for him to do so. But we don't have to wait for anything, do we? I mean, we get irritated when our fast food isn't fast. What do you mean I got to pull into that parking spot and wait for my cheeseburger for two minutes, right? Like, we don't have to wait for anything. And so James says here, be patient, even in the face of suffering. I don't know about you, but man, I I long for God to return and to restore all of creation to himself. And man, if you are facing pain and suffering and loss and hurt and the effects of sin, you probably long for that as well. When you face cancer or sickness or loss. And friends, I know that many of you here this morning right now are suffering. Maybe you are hurting because of something a friend or a family member has said or has done to you. Maybe you're hurting because you have lost a loved one. Maybe you're hurting because you're facing a diagnosis. I know that many of you are suffering. So it can be hard to hear James's words, to be patient, to be patient even in the suffering. We long for the day when God will return and put all things right. We want that to be right now. We want the suffering and the pain and the hurt to end. But we must remember what Peter told us. In, in 2 Peter chapter 3, In verse 9, Peter says this, 
The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Journey Church, we need to be patient because God is being patient with us. James then gives us three illustrations, three images, three uh, examples of what it looks like to be patient. He gives us this first one that we've already read. He says, look at the farmer. Now, James's first readers, much like many of us, are probably pretty familiar with farming and how it works. But even today, with all of the advances in technology, uh, all of the advances that we have in farming, farmers still know all too well what James is saying here. Farmers are in the hands of the weather. All they can do is prepare the soil, plant the seeds, and then wait. If we get too much rain or not enough rain, if the wind blows too hard or all kinds of other things, all farmers can do is patiently wait just to see in months if there's going to be growth that happens. So James says, like the farmers, be patient. Patiently wait. And then James gives us our first step in how we are to be patient even in suffering. He says, if we are going to be patient in suffering, then we need to stand firm. That's what he says there. Stand firm. Now, James here is referring to the persistence and the patience that comes from knowing that Jesus is coming again. We uh, have patience and we preserve even in the face of hardships and trials. Why? Because not only do we know that these trials are going to produce perseverance in us, chapter 1, he told us that, but we also know that one day they're going to stop because Jesus is going to return. So we need to stand firm. We see this call to stand firm all throughout the New Testament. You you see those words all throughout the letters in the New Testament. Paul says in Philippians 1 to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel, standing firm together as one in the faith. Peter tells us to resist the devil by standing firm in our faith. Because we know that our brothers and sisters around the world are going through the same things that we are going through. And then again, here in James, and then in Ephesians chapter 6, where I want us to look today, Paul tells us to stand firm. Paul says in Ephesians 6 verse 10, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Why? So that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. Friends, if we are going to be patient, even in suffering, then we need to stand firm. And if we're going to stand firm, then we can't rely on our own strength. But we must rely on God's strength, on his mighty power. Look, whatever you're going through, Whatever you're facing, whatever you're suffering through right now, whatever is ahead of you, 
You can't do it on your own. You can't. We're not meant to. We're not created to. You can't do it alone. You can't stand under your own strength. You must rely on God's strength. And you must put on his full armor. Now here at Journey Church, we say it like this. We say that we trust that Jesus is all that we need. And we are transformed by who he is and what he has done. Friends, when we are facing suffering, when we are going through trials, we must trust that Jesus is all that we need. We must trust in God's strength and his mighty power. Then here in Ephesians, Paul gives us all of the different pieces of God's armor that help us to stand firm. From the belt of truth that is buckled around our waist, to the breastplate of righteousness that guards our heart, to having our feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace, with taking up the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. And then lastly, Paul tells us that if we are going to stand firm, even in the the face of suffering, even in the face of trials, even in the face of hardship, if we are going to stand firm, then we must do this in verse 18 of Ephesians 6. And pray in the Spirit at all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on, what? Praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me, that I may fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Friends, when we are facing suffering, if we are going to be patient, we must stand firm. And if we're going to stand firm, then we can't rely on our own strength. We must rely on God's strength and put on his full armor with prayer and prayer and more prayer. Like the farmer, we must be patient. If we are going to be patient, we must stand firm. And if we're going to stand firm, then we need God's strength. We need his armor, and we must pray, 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 and then pray some more. And then, back in James, he reminds us that not only do we need God's strength to be patient in suffering, But we also need each other. Look at verse 9 of James chapter 5. James says, Do not grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Now, when we first look at this verse here in James chapter 5, verse 9, we may think, oh man, this is just another statement for James to tell us not to complain against each other. (laughs) right? Not to grumble against each other. But what James is reminding us of here is that if we are going to be patient in the face of suffering, then we need each other. Not to grumble against each other, but we need each other to make it through. If you remember from the beginning of chapter 4, James asked the question, why do you war and battle? Why do you fight? Why is there conflict among you? And James told us that there's conflict in us because of the own, our own desires, and our own lusts that are within us. 
And if we remember back from chapter 1, he says that those things are what carries us off into temptation. And when we give into temptation, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, it brings death. And so we've seen all through James's letter how we are to deal with sin in us. We are to humble ourselves. We need to remember that we're not promised tomorrow. We need to not trust in things that won't last but we need to trust in God and his word, for he is faithful. We need to be uh, patient because his promises are true, but they aren't on our timetable. So be patient. The Lord is near. So don't complain and don't groan against one another. So why do we complain? It's the same reason that we fight. It's the same reason that we give in to temptation. Because it's our own sin in our own lives. It's the same reason that we fight most of the time. It's because of our own sin and brokenness. Now, if we are, are really concerned about our brother or sister because of sin, then we're going to follow what Jesus has told us to, right? If we see our brother and sister in, in sin, we're going to go to them and we're going to confront that sin in their lives out of love for them, and we're going to hold them accountable. But instead, oftentimes what we end up doing is complaining about them to other people. And, and that's even if it is sin that we're complaining about. Most times it's just things that don't really even matter that we complain about uh, uh, amongst each other, right? So James says don't, don't groan and complain against each other because we need each other. Friends, if we're going to be patient in suffering, we need one another. Not to grumble against or complain about, but we need each other because we are better together. Now here at Journey Church, we say it like this. We say that we build strong relationships, walking side by side through the messiness of life with prayer, accountability, and encouragement. Now is that easy? No, that's hard. Relationships are hard. Life, suffering, pain is hard. It's messy. But we need each other, especially when we're facing suffering, especially when we're going through pain and loss. If we are going to be patient in the face of suffering, then we need each other. We need each other. Not only do we need to stand firm with God's strength, but we need each other. We need to walk side by side together through life, through suffering together. We need each other to pray with each other, to hold each other accountable. We need each other to encourage one another. Friends, you are not made to go through life alone. You cannot be a follower of Jesus by yourself. You can't. We need each other. We are better together. And we need each other not just on Sunday mornings, but we also need each other the other six. The other six days of the week are just as important as what we're doing right now. We need to be connected with each other so that we can stand firm so that we can be
patient even in suffering. Man, let me tell you, a great place to find other followers of Jesus, to connect with, to walk side by side with through the messiness of life, through suffering together, is in life groups. We have five life groups that are a part of Journey Church here. But man, there's also some great life groups and small groups that are in Washington. I mean, we, we don't care where you connect with other followers of Jesus. We just know this is essential for you to connect with other followers of Jesus. I mean, maybe uh, you need to start a life group. Maybe at work. Maybe at, at your school. Maybe uh, at the places that you go. Maybe you need to start a life group. And if you want to do that, I would love to help you to do that. But we need each other. If we are going to be patient in the face of suffering, then we must connect to each other. We need God's strength. We can't do it alone. And we need each other to pray for each other, to hold each other accountable, and to encourage one another in the face of suffering. You aren't alone. But friends, you have to connect with other followers of Jesus. Others need you. And you need them. Then James gives us another a couple of examples of what it looks like to have patience in the face of suffering. He says, look at the prophets. Look there at verse 10 of James chapter 5. He says, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Many of the prophets of the Old Testament spoke in the name of the Lord and brought messages from God to God's people, even though it meant suffering for them to do that. Now, Jonah thought that he suffered, right, when he had to carry the message to those heathens, right? And then he sat up on the hill waiting for God to destroy them, and uh, his, his shade tree died, and he said, oh, just take my life. I, I don't think that's the suffering that James had in mind here, okay? But you don't have to look too far into First and Second Kings or First and Second Chronicles or even into the book of Hebrews in chapter 11 to see some of the suffering that the other prophets uh, of Old Testament went through. Uh, Jezebel had many prophets killed in the days of Elijah. Elijah had to run for his life and hide. Elisha was made fun of. Uriah was killed for sharing God's message with the king. Many of God's prophets were suffered and were killed. Uh, They faced fiery furnaces and lions then. They faced being stoned and being uh, killed with the sword, being cut in two. And yet many of them still patiently, faithfully shared the message that God had given them to preach. Even when that message was one that made them unpopular with their own people. Even when that message brought them pain and suffering, they still endured and patiently were faithful to what God called them to. Friends, 
God has called us to share his word with others, even if that means that we are unpopular or aren't liked, even if that means that we have to suffer in order to do so. God has called us to be patient. Maybe you have heard of the endurance of Job. Job lost everything. He lost all of his stuff. You know, we saw last week that we don't need to trust in that anyway, right? But Job lost all of his stuff. Then he lost his kids. Then he lost his health. It wasn't all smiles and joy in the face of what Job was going through. And in fact, if you read all 42 chapters of the book of Job, you'll see a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, and a lot of questioning of why there's pain and suffering. Why did God allow this pain and suffering to happen to Job? And yet, through all of it, what we see in Job chapter 1, verse 22, stays true. It says in all of this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrong doing. Friends, have you seen have you seen how the Lord works in your life? If not, I encourage you to start asking around. Maybe at your life group, maybe some of the people that you see around you here, ask how God has worked in their life, how God has worked even in the face of suffering in their life. And time and time again, you will find and you will see how God is God even in the hardships, how God is still God even in the face of suffering, how God is still the Father of lights in whom there is no shifting shadows. God is the giver of good gifts. God is full of compassion and mercy giving us what we don't deserve, life in his son Jesus. I encourage you to ask and then listen to the stories of how God has been faithful, even in the face of sickness, even in the face of loss, even in the face of suffering and pain. John grew a priest from the 1700s, wrote this. He says, Let your suffering be born for God. Suffer with submission and patience and suffer in union with Jesus Christ and you will be offering the most excellent prayer. I want you to listen to Jesus' words to the church at Smyrna in Revelation chapter 2. Jesus says this, I know your affliction, your poverty, and yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison and test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful, even to the point of death. And I will give you life as your victor's crown. Patience in the face of suffering. Journey Church, let's be like the farmer. Let's be like the prophets of old. Let's be like Job. For the Lord is near. Stand firm, trusting not in your own strength, but in God's strength. 
Don't complain against one another because ain't nobody got time for that. We need each other to stand firm, to be patient. And lastly, James tells us to speak the truth no matter what. Look at verse 12 of James chapter 5. James says, Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. James says here, speak the truth. Have integrity in your words. Do not swear. Now, James isn't just talking about using profanity here, okay? But he's talking about swearing an oath. Don't, don't swear an empty oath. In fact, let your yes be a yes. Let your no be a no. Do not swear or take an empty oath. For if we are truly living out and demonstrating persistence and patience that James has told us to, then there will be no need for us to invoke any oath, whether in heaven or on earth, because our word will be certain. People will know that when we say yes, we mean yes. And when we say no, we mean no. James here is almost quoting Jesus' words found in Matthew chapter 5. And friends, when we're facing suffering and pain and loss, we may be tempted to say things that we don't mean. We may be tempted to make promises that we can't keep. And so friends, if we are going to be patient even in suffering, we must keep integrity in our words. Now we saw last week that we need to have integrity with our money, but we also need to have integrity in our speech. We must keep our yes a yes and our no a no. We must be honest and true with our words. We saw uh, Brianne Brown said that integrity is choosing courage over comfort. How can we do that with our words? You know, it, it can be comforting to tell a lie. It may get us out of uh, that, that situation if we just say this thing, even though it's not true. Integrity is choosing what is right over what is fun, fast, or easy. Integrity is choosing to practice our values rather than to simply profess them. Have integrity in your words. Let your yes be yes. Let your no mean no. Friends, if we are going to have patience in suffering, we must stand firm, not in our own strength, but in God's. We need each other because we are better together, and we need to have integrity in our words. The Lord's return is soon, but he is patient with us not wishing anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. And this should lead us to be patient, even in suffering. This should lead us to stand firm in God's strength. And this should lead us to be honest and trustworthy in our speech. Friends, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're suffering, but I do know that we can have patience, we can have joy, 
we can have peace during that because we can stand firm with God's strength. We can find help from our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we can keep integrity with our words. We pray with me. Father, we thank you that even in the face of suffering, even in the face of pain, that we can have joy because we know that through that you are producing endurance and perseverance in our faith. We can have patience because we know that this is only for a short time, even if it's the rest of our life. Because our life is but a mist, a vapor, here today and gone tomorrow. So Father, help us to stop trusting in our own strength and start trusting in yours. Father, help us to stop doing this alone and start doing this together. Help us to keep integrity with our speech. Father, help us to be like the farmer, to be like the prophets of old, to be like Job. That even in the face of suffering, we do not sin, but we trust in you. Father, we long, we look forward to the day that you will return and restore everything to yourself. But Father, remind us that you are being patient with us, not wanting any of us to perish, but for all to come to repentance through your son, Jesus. Father, those of us that are suffering right now, would you remind them that they are not alone and that they can turn to you and they can turn to each other. Father, help us to stand firm in your strength. Help us to be patient even in suffering. Father, we ask all of this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've been through. But I want you to know that you are not alone. We want to walk through the messiness of your suffering, of your pain, the messiness of your life together. And if you're here and you need somebody to talk to today, if you need somebody just to pray with you today, I'm going to be out in the lobby. Come and let's talk today. Come and let me pray with you today. If you're not connected to a life group, man, Life groups are a great place for you to find other followers of Jesus to walk side by side with. So get connected to a life group today. Friends, we're going to re- move into our time of communion. And, and here at Journey Church, we invite all followers of Jesus to join us in this time. And if you didn't grab communion on your way in, you can just raise your hand. And we got some guys in the back. I think Jeff and Kevin are there. They can bring that to you right there at your seat. You know, some 2,000 years ago, Jesus gathered with some of his closest friends a night that would be filled with suffering. And he shared this meal. And then he gave us this reminder to us. And this meal, as followers of Jesus, gives us comfort. It gives us peace. It brings us joy. But it's a meal that is marked with suffering and pain the pain and suffering that Jesus endured and went through for you and for me. So take this time.
examine yourself, confess your sins to God, and then take the bread and take the cup and remember how Jesus patiently endured suffering for us. When you're ready.